that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them five other five talents. And likewise, he that had received the two, he also gained other two. But he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so that he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And we know the one received the one and didn't do anything with it. And of course, he was rebuked uh, and punished heavily. Go with me now to Luke chapter number 19, Luke 19 and verse 11. Luke 19 and verse 11. And as they heard these things, he, spe- he, had, he added and spake a parable. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, thou shalt have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. Another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an astute man. Thou takest up where thou layest not down, and reapest where thou didst not sow. He said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an astute man. Take up. Taking up that I laid not down, reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. He said unto, him, unto them that stood by, Take from him that, that pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one that hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. Those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. I want to look back at verse number 13. At the very last of the verse, four words, it says, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. The idea of occupy is to not do what they did a few years ago where they just sit in the middle of the street. That's not, that's not occupy here. Occupy means to, to do something productive with your time and your resources to occupy till he comes to 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 do what god would have you to do where you are right now there's no sense whining and complaining about not being in the good old days we're here and uh, we might as well recognize that god has a purpose for us in the here and now and there must be a reason there must be something to do and basically god has given us two different mandates in scripture in the beginning he gave a mandate, and later on he gave another mandate. The first mandate, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter number 1 with Adam and Eve. And when God gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden, he didn't just say, run around and do nothing. He basically said, occupy. In Genesis chapter 
number one, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The Bible tells us that we are to subdue and have dominion over his creation. That's the first mandate. It's called a dominion mandate. We are to do well with what God has given us. Let me tell you something. It's an absolute wicked attitude and it's a lie of the devil that says, well, the reason why I don't have anything is because I'm poor. Let me tell you something. The reason why you don't have anything is you don't take care of what you have. And that's just a fact. Listen, I don't care if you drive the biggest clunker in the world. It can still be taken care of. You can still do the best with it that you can. I've always had older vehicles and I've never had the greatest and the best most of my life. But you know what? What I have, I realize I need to do my best with it. I need to take care of it i got grass it needs mowed i i I got i got a deer i shot a deer well guess what that deer needs to be processed when i was in alaska years ago i thought it was a really neat rule they had when i was hunting one time up there years ago over 20 years ago the rule was when you're in the back 40 and you fly in or whatever into the bush if you shoot something the last thing that goes out, the last thing that gets packed out are the antlers. That's a good rule because it's only right that we take care of the meat first and we don't just go hunting for the antlers because that is actually biblical that we subdue it and that we have dominion over it, over the fish and the fowl, that that we don't waste what we catch or waste what we hunted for. That we don't be wasteful. The Bible says, if you're reading Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is always talking about the slothful and, and the waster and the people who roasteth not that which they took in hunting. There's so many things we could talk about here, but we need to recognize the importance of having dominion. And uh, we're always after each other in our family about cleaning up. It's amazing how I can't see the junk on my desk, but I can sure see the junk in my wife's pantry. And vice versa. She can see the junk on my desk, but she can't see the junk in her pantry. And we're always getting after each other about, hey, this is getting to be hard. I can't even walk in here anymore. And, and the point is, though, I mean, all of us, we, we tend to collect clutter and whatnot. But the point is, is that we need to take care of what we've been given. We need to be good stewards of what God's given us and to occupy ourselves the world today and especially here in our country we are so marketed to not think clearly and not to use our time wisely but to waste it to waste it of course with the devices that most of us have in our pocket to waste it with the the entertainment things that we have in our home and and to realize i need to be careful of the time and the resources that god has entrusted me with doing our best with what we've been given. This is why, as I was saying last week about spoiling our children, that's just a sin. I mean, not only is it a sin on them, it's a sin that we're not, that we're not using our time and resources wisely with what God would have us to do with them. Turn with me in a few passages. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. And then we'll go in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians. Ecclesiastes. 
Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. So I'm going to tell you, we are blessed. I am blessed as a pastor, and we are blessed that we, we have a retirement-type community. And not only is it a retirement community, but it's a retirement community that attracts uh, more, um, shall I say, a, a, a better disciplined retirement community. And uh, people who have what they have because they, they had discipline in their lives. And the, the blessing of that is, is that here in our church even, when we have people who uh, are quote-unquote retired and, and have some time on their hand, they not only have, but they, they care about what they do. They care about what's going on. And I appreciate that greatly. That is, I think, a Christian thing to do. That whatever we do, we're going to do it well. We talked about Joseph and how that he was sold as a slave into Egypt. But instead of having a bad attitude and a woe is me and God forgot me and I can't be, believe I'm a slave. No, God handed him lemons and he just started making lemonade out of it. And he just started making Potiphar's house very successful. And then when they threw him in prison, he just started cleaning up the prison. I mean, wherever the guy went, he just started doing. That is the testimony of a believer in God who says, God's got me here for a purpose and I'm going to use it for his glory. I'm going to shine for him. Man, I can think of some names of people in our church that, hey, this needs fixed. Could you fix it? And here's what I know. Man, they will make sure it looks good. Not because they think I'm going to pat them on the back and put their name up front and in front of everybody. They just have this in them. I want to do it right. <clears throat> what a blessing. What a blessing that is to, to everybody, to the community, when we all think that way. And we are not doing ourselves any favors with all these handouts that we give. You get stuff for free, you know what you'll treat it like? You'll treat it for about the value you paid for it. Easy come, easy go. And we're not helping our society with freebies and welfare mentality. But instead, we need to recognize when we've been given a task to do it with all thy might, to do it well. I read something and I should have brought it in here with me. I think it came from a band teacher, from someone who teaches music and musical instruments. And it was something like this. Your child wants to quit. Don't you dare let them quit until they've conquered the next song. Once they, once they conquer that thing they're working on, then you can let them quit. Don't let them quit because it's hard. And to give them the, the understanding that they need to conquer this. And then if they want to go on to something else, fine. But don't walk away from difficulty. Work at it. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. And then first, first Corinthians in the New Testament, it says it a little bit differently, but it says whatsoever you eat, or drink, chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so we eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And we need to recognize that, you know, God gave me a body and I need to be careful that I'm not abusing it by how I eat and drink. It's hard when Lexi brings over this banana pudding pie thing for dessert. It's her fault, it's not mine. Miss Wilma? So it's her fault. No, we are, we are given a body. We have to take care of it. We have to be good stewards of our body and to recognize that we need to recognize what God's given and whatsoever we eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Is this for God's glory? And should I be doing this? Chapter 14, 
chapter 14 and verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Things, things godly are not confusing. Someone says, you know, godliness, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. I, I, don't, I don't know that that's exactly right, but I do know this, that it, there is some truth to it. If you are, if you are godly, there's going to be a desire to be clean. I didn't say you've got to have the latest and the greatest. But no matter what it is, I remember I've driven some junkier cars and some whatever worthless things, but you know what? I'm take care of that thing. I, I inherited hand-me-downs this or hand-me-downs, but you know what? It's still in good shape. I'm going to take care of that thing. And I'm going to do my best and, and, and honor God in that way and to, and to be thankful and to be grateful. The, the word appreciate's an interesting word. The word appreciate actually kind of has two meanings. Appreciate is when you, you don't say, well, it's not as nice as so-and-so's or it's not the latest and greatest. No, but I'll tell you what, it, it's, a, it's something I need to appreciate. And you know what happens when you appreciate what you've been given? It appreciates. I know pastors that don't appreciate the church they pastor. And you know what? Guess what the church is doing? Depreciating. I know people that don't appreciate what they've been given and where they're at in their life. They just don't appreciate it. And guess what? It's depreciating. See, you can appreciate something. You know, when you appreciate something, it goes up in value. You can appreciate your spouse and they will appreciate. <laughs> your marriage will appreciate. And we can depreciate and things depreciate. And that's just a fact. I mean, we, we are given things and we, we are given, we're given responsibility and charge over things. We need to recognize the importance of being, being aware that when, when we cause confusion, when we're sloppy and slobs, I think it's a bad testimony on our God because he's not the author of confusion. Look at verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. That doesn't mean it has to be so formal it's plastic and hollow and stale. But let all things be done decently. I remember years ago, and I never even thought about it, but years ago we had some people over for lunch after church and, and um, we, all, all six of us, our four children, were all sitting around. We're talking with the people that were here with us at the house and we're just visiting. And, and then after a while, um, you know, we kind of split up and, the, and the, the husband was, was about to leave with his wife and he said, you know, he said, I was really impressed with your kids. He said, I don't usually see that. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, we got done eating, and they just sat there, and they talked to us. We're adults, and they're kids, but, and they, they just talked to us. He said, normally, when we go somewhere, the kids, they just, and then, they're gone. And they usually don't eat at all, and they're just gone. And I, I said, I guess we just always have taught kids to, to just sit at the table and, and to, you know, practice that and, but I, I, I didn't really pay attention to that. I didn't really notice that before. But um, we even do our dog that way. Joshua started it. I'm glad he did. If we had more time, we could probably teach that girl more things. But we take our dog, our puppy dog that we just got, and hopefully she's getting better. When you all come to the house, hopefully she's not jumping on people like she's not supposed to. We, we have a zapper. We try to zap her. Try to teach her. But when we feed her, this Josh started this. We feed her, we make her sit. 
and she sits. And we walk over and put the food in the dish and walk back and put the cup away and walk around for a while. We might even go in the house. And she might start to scoot. Oh, you get back over there and you sit. And then we might go in the house and shut the door. And then we might open the door back up. Okay, go ahead. And she eats. And she, you know, scarfs it down then. But, you know, my, my dog's got better table manners than some kids I've seen. We need to teach the children that God's given us at manners. You ever seen that old movie, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? You ever see the seven brothers dive across the table for the food? I mean, that's just the way people are. And it's like, hold it. I'm just using silly illustrations here. Years ago, our other German shepherd that we had, some of you remember her, she was just a good dog. But when I got her, I heard on Tradio that someone said, I've got this German shepherd puppy and I'm not sure how old she was, but she was still young. She was maybe a year old, a year and a half, but we we just we're gonna give her away. And this was a registered German shepherd. I drove to Osage. Osage, one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. Drove out to Osage, and there was this German shepherd that they paid money for. And she's on a chain just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and just hyper as can be. And I was glad they were giving her up because she was beautiful and she was hyper, but we had lots of room and she could just run. But you know, sometimes people make purchases or people acquire things and they don't have the ability to really take care of them. As a teenager, I was preaching to my sister about this because she wanted this puppy Oh, puppies are so cute. Oh, I just want this puppy. She's so cute, so cute. I'm going to tell you what, that puppy was part husky, part Malmute, part St. Bernard. And we called him Bear. He's such a cute little teddy bear. Bear turned into a bear. And nobody was really teaching much. And then it was like, this dog is a nuisance and it's tearing our yard apart. I remember he started, well, I heard this banging outside. I looked and Bear had chewed the propane hose off the barbecue and was dragging the propane tank around the deck, just going around and around, clanging, bang, bang. It's like, we got to get rid of Bear. Bear is a waste of human, or of dog flesh. Listen, it was sad that Bear didn't get taken care of. And that's not how it ought to be. I teased the Mathesons about Brindley, that poor dog. Such an abused dog. Have you ever seen Brindley? I, I wish I could live Brindley's life. What a nice life. It's important that we recognize God's creation and that we take care of what God's given us <clears throat> and that we point it back to God and that we give God praise and, and credit for it all. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It goes on to tell us how to operate in our families, wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants, Verse 23 says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily 
as to the Lord and not unto men. You might not have a very good boss, but you know whatsoever you do, you still need to do it as if it was to the Lord. That you that you do a good job as if you were serving, as if God was your manager, and you're serving Him as to the Lord, and not unto men. I'm doing it for His sake. I'm doing it for His glory. We have kept other children in our home before, and we we uh, we had to really adjust our lifestyle. We had to really adjust a lot of things. But let me tell you something. We appreciated them, and they appreciated. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can appreciate a child's worth by how you appreciate or depreciate them. And, and on and on we can go in so many different things. I remember talking to Miss Wilma about this idea. Are you, uh, are you willing to take in a two-year-old? but I'll never forget the day that that it was time to give that two-year-old back in the tears. We, um, we Christians, more than anybody, ought to understand the importance of having good dominion over what God's given us. Every one of us, the Bible says in Romans 14, 12, every one of us will give an account of himself to God. We will stand before the Lord. And as being believers, and I'm assuming everyone in here is a believer, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 tells us that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment that I was reading about this morning in Revelation. That's for the unsaved. But the saved will stand before Jesus. And it says here in verse 9 of Second Corinthians 5, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. What did you do with your body? What did you do with your time? How were you occupying? We're right here in Second Corinthians 5. Go up to chapter 10. I want to show you something. Second Corinthians chapter 10. One thing about our body that I think we're losing the battle, and that's in verse 4 and 5. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5 for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing now here it is and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ you know why most Christians aren't very good at occupying because we are preoccupied parents are not being good parents because they're preoccupied with something else Sunday school teachers aren't really being a very good Sunday school teacher because they get preoccupied with something else pastors can get preoccupied with other things and Christians in general can become just preoccupied with some other thing that really doesn't matter and when you get preoccupied you've lost the battle for your mind 
and imagination and you start to just think in things that aren't really important and focus on things and and have goals for things that aren't matter that don't matter if you were in my class this morning in Sunday school I was talking about Isaac and how that Isaac's dream was for Esau to be the one and for Esau to be the one that would be the blessed one he's the firstborn and Isaac was focusing all his attention on Esau and God had already chosen Jacob Jacob was God's will And Isaac was fighting it. And the sad part was, not only was he fighting God, but he was destroying his his marriage and his family because his wife knew better. And so his wife ends up teaching the other son, Jacob, to lie. And and by the the time you read their story, they're just dysfunctional. They're they're lying and deceiving one another. and They don't trust each other. and, And it's all because somebody got preoccupied. As much as I want, what I want. As much as I would love for my child to to stay here when they grow up and live around here, that might not be God's will. And if I'm not careful, I could be like Isaac where I'm just trying to make things happen. I got to be careful of that. And the Lord knows my desire and my wife's desire is that God would just use our children wherever they're supposed to be and to not control where they are. And not control where they, how they turn out or what, or what they become, but to let God have it. We need to take control of our mind and, and, and cast down the imaginations that sometimes we get and, the, and, the, and maybe the dreams or the things that we think are important and recognize that we could become preoccupied instead of letting God occupy that space instead. And that leads us to the second mandate. The first one is having dominion. Before I go on to the second one, let me say that as Christians in a country, we should also be very good citizens. So therefore, I think it's really, really wrong to complain if you aren't going to vote. I think it's wrong to live in our world today and not to at least do what we can. And praise the Lord, we are in Custer, South Dakota. But we're watching our nation just going, just crumbling. And yet we still have a mandate, a dominion mandate, to make sure that we expect good leadership. And let's be honest, we don't necessarily have the greatest choices even in this state. But we should be recognizing where we can play a role and have a part and do something as well and not just complain without doing. So I do believe that we should be active, that we should that we should contact our officials, our representatives, the people that we've elected over us, that have been elected over us, and recognize that they are someone that we can talk to as our representatives and encourage them or maybe discourage them in some things that they're doing. That's also part of our job as Americans and as human beings that God has created. That's, That's what we've been given, we the people. But that's the first mandate. The second one then... is Mark 16, 15, and Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Not only are only are we supposed to take good care of the material things and the worldly things that God's given us in this world and to take care of 
and the dominion over what we can control and to take care of what we have in our income and not to be wasteful people. But now as Christians, if you're a Christian, our job is to preach the gospel to every creature. Our job is to teach them and baptize them and to teach them to observe all things. That's what we're supposed to do. And you could call this the missionary mandate. The idea of just going and not just sending, but going ourselves. This is why Saturday is a scheduled time for us to go out and visit people. And it's just a scheduled time, but it should be all the time. I was in Rapid City Friday and I was going around and both I and Miss Wilma and we had Harmony with us and we were, we were loading up with tracks in our pocket. And, where, and of course, Friday was Veterans Day, so we also had some of the Veterans Day or, or uh, Mr. Pryor's testimony with us and, just, and those things. And Harmony would see a veteran and give it to him, and, and we'd see somebody, we'd hand him a track. And I have to be honest, I, I failed sometimes. I failed to give out a track. I should have, and I failed. But then there were other times that we did. And, but the point is, is that should be on our minds. We got to control. And what happens? I get so busy thinking about what I got to do and my errands and my next stop and where I got to go. But to remember why I'm here. I remember what Brother Perkins said years ago. He said, I don't just pay at the pump. I want to go in and talk to those people so I can give them a track. That's, that's a, good, a good thing. We should recognize the importance of, of taking time to maybe hey, you know, I need to give you something to read. I need to give you something to look at. I need, I need to ask you to think about your eternity and your soul. Unfortunately, because we are so preoccupied, we can even come into church and not be thinking the right things. Come into church and we're still on our phones and we're still just doing stuff out in the world on our, right here in the building. Did you see what Daniel did today? Did you guys see what Daniel did this morning? I saw it. Right when... Sunday school is getting started. He, I think Daniel was sitting right about here. And he got up and he went over and sat with a little boy right over there that was all by himself. That's good, Daniel. Thank you for doing that. You noticed him and you went and sat with him. Somebody took a young lady out to their home on Friday and spent a few hours and had a good time with that young lady, an older young lady, took a younger lady out. And that young lady's parents came to church this morning. Listen, we need to recognize what God's given us our time for and what God's given us our abilities for. As Christians, and I'm not so focused on this world that I'm forgetting what the second mandate is. Because the one who gave the dominion mandate recognized that one day this world would self-destruct. And so the second mandate is rescue as many as you can because this world's going down. And it is. And as it gets weirder, there are people who are not Christians, but they're recognizing that things are strange. And of course, they're talking about storing up food and ammo but you know what I see it as man it's a great time to have a conversation about what's going on and to preach the gospel teach all nations making disciples then seeing them baptized my my heart's prayer my desire is that somebody else gets saved and somebody else gets baptized before this year ends boy the first half of this year it seemed like we were having all kinds of baptisms 
And, and I miss that. But we've got to remember our mandate and to go and preach and teach. And we're not trying to make it happen. But I think we just have to remember we can't get lethargic. Well, I think we got enough people that are part of the church now, don't need to grow anymore. Man, that's selfish. That's bad. We need to recognize that everyone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and everyone needs to be told and we need to share it all the time wherever we go. So what that means is you've got to study. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved. So we've got to know the gospel. Could you stop and share the gospel with someone right now? Could you just stop and tell them Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 and 13. And all the different verses that are there to help people understand the gospel. Can't, listen, you say, that's for the preacher to do. No, 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 no. You read the Bible. That was all the Christians going everywhere preaching, going everywhere telling people about the Lord. And we got to keep doing it. I love what the missionary said last week in Billings when we were there in, in Montana. He said, it's not enough to just invite him to church. Tell him about Jesus. Tell him how to be saved. Don't just invite him to church. We've got to remember that. And it's not a bad thing to invite him to church, but it's more than that. I was on the phone with my tax man. My tax man's been doing my taxes for years. He's moved to a different area. He still was doing my taxes. I called him this weekend and I said, hey, are you still doing this next year or are you, are you going to really retire? And he said, well, he said, I've got non-Hodgkin's, whatever you call that. And he said, I, I'm, I'm on chemo. And he said, I'm not able to do it this year. And he said, everything's kind of fuzzy. And, um, of course, I called him for myself. I called him for my own tax concerns. But I said, what's your home address? I want to send you a Christmas card. You know why I asked for his home address? To be honest with you, I didn't ask his, for his home address because I just wanted to send him a Christmas card. You know why I asked for his home address? Because I wanted to send him something else inside the Christmas card. Something that he needs to read. Okay? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, be ready always. It says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That means get your mind out of wherever it is and have God in the proper place where he ought to be in your heart. Set him apart. Make him somewhere where you're not forgetting, where he is preeminent. And then it says, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And you know why most of us aren't ready? Because we don't have him sanctified where he ought to be. We got him compartmentalized to Sundays and maybe Wednesdays, but he needs to be with us on Tuesdays. We need to have him as our main focus on Mondays and Thursdays and every part of our life and so that we are ready always to give an answer and to share the gospel with people. That's our mandate. And here's why. I believe we would be good stewards of what he's given us. Dominion, whatever little you have. Have you ever... For years, the Perkins would park their RV right out here. Just a little bumper pull RV. Anybody notice that Mrs. Perkins was always like put flower pots out on the tongue and hang 
potted plants here, and it's like, and I remember seeing, I was like, you're only going to be here for a week or so. But you know what? That's exactly what she's doing. She's saying, this is my little home, and I'm going to beautify it, and I'm just going to clean it up, and I'm going to take care of it. Can I be honest with you? Whether it's a missionary or preacher or whoever, if they're not taking care of themselves, they're not taking care of their shoes, they're not taking care of their, and they're not taking care of their kids. We've had a few. They've come through here and they got, they got a dozen kids and they don't even know where they are because they're just out of control. Listen, I don't want to support them because they're not do, doing a good job with what they've already been given. Do you know what David was before he was king? He took care of sheep. Little brother has to take care of dad's sheep while the older brothers get to go have fun and fight. But you know what God saw? God saw a boy that was willing to wrestle a lion and a bear just to, just to protect sheep. And God said, man, if you're willing, if you're willing, listen, I never wrestled a lion or a bear. And I'd be honest with you, if there were sheep around and there was a lion and a bear, sorry, sheep. I can run faster than a sheep, I think. I'll find out. I would have just said, hey, Dad, a lion came. What do you expect me to do? That's what I'd have said. And David wrestled the lion and wrestled the bear and killed them. That just tells you what kind of attitude David had about his job. This is a lousy job, but I'm going to do my best at this not-so-nice job. And God looked down and said, you know what? I can use that guy. He, he's not going to be a shepherd all his life. I'll make him a different kind of shepherd. He'll just take care of a different kind of sheep. And that's, that's what God does. Young people, that's what God does. He, he sees what you're doing right now, Jada. Every day of your life, he sees what you're doing. And he says, oh, I think. And by the way, is Jada not a blessing? She's a blessing. And God's looking down and he's seeing and he's saying, Ooh, she's not just gonna be on the backside of the desert taking care of it. I'll do something. And he does. Daniel, he does. He'll take care of you. He'll make sure that you are blessed. You just be faithful where you are. Stop saying, Well, I wish I had this. No, 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 no. You recognize God's giving you a job and he's just watching you. You know why? Rewards are coming. Look at the last page of the Bible, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. And for some of us, that might not be a whole lot. But for some of us, that might be a lot. I'm going to give rewards I love the way God is. He is not a participation trophy kind of God. He will reward according to what you are doing. Remember, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now be ruler over many things. Be ruler over many cities. Look what it says 
Back in Revelation 20, verse 4, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Verse 6 says the same thing. They, they shall reign with him for a thousand years. I have never had some of the niceties that some people have and enjoy right now, but I got I got news for you. The Bible says that in my Father's house are many mansions, and I may not enjoy some of the things I've heard. I've heard some about some really nice homes in this area. Man, they sound wonderful. But I've got a mansion waiting, and there is nothing in the entire Black Hills, or Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or anywhere that compares to the mansion I have in heaven. There's rewards waiting. It says, you, you're faithful and little, I will make thee ruler over many things. You're faithful and little, I'll make you ruler over ten cities. You ought, you ought to be motivated just with the thought, what if Ron Spears is mayor of the city I have to live in? That'll motivate you to get busy. No, seriously, think about it. We are going to be given rewards, and it's a thousand years. That's a whole lot longer than any of us have been alive. <clears throat> and we'll reign with him. There's going to be a new body, not this old body, a new glorified body, Philippians 3, 21 says. It's a whole new life, Revelation 20, 21, verse 5 Behold, I shall make all things new. It'll be a new creation. I was talking about the animals a little bit ago. The, the creatures are waiting for this new creation. I don't, I don't understand it all, but th there is animals in this thousand-year reign. There will be animals. When the lion and the, uh, the, the, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, and lions will eat straw like an ox. It's, it's, a, it's a world you can't imagine. I hath not seen nor ear heard the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. It's a new city, heavenly Jerusalem. These are the parts of the rewards. And of course, one of the greatest rewards is to seeing people get saved. And those of us who have been soul winning will stand there in heaven and yeah, there's a mansion over there and yeah, there's streets of gold and all kinds of impressive stuff. But I'll tell you what, those people that we had a part in, those people that got saved because we had a part in their salvation. We brought them to church. We invited them. We witnessed to them. We gave them a track, whatever it might be. And they will be our reward. I mentioned that two-year-old a little bit ago. I guarantee you that Miss Wilma's praying that that two-year-old gets saved. she'll be there as well we also had a teenage boy with us a few years ago I won't go into it but man was that an experience but you know what happened a couple May I think it was two Mays ago two Mother's Days ago that boy texted Miss Wilma happy Mother's Day we have an opportunity to have an impact on people's lives and the rewards are not immediate and they're not financial or material. They're eternal. Turn with me there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
I, I just quoted chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I just mentioned it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 again says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. In chapter 3, in verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if you were preoccupied with things on the earth, you're not going to have much to show. Oh, you'll be there, you'll be saved, but you won't have much to show. Verse 14 says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall burn, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. And it says there, at the end of verse 13, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Quality, not quantity. My desire as a pastor is to appreciate the ministry so that it is appreciated. When I get a vehicle, a lot of times, if it doesn't have a lot of miles, it'll have a lot of miles before I ever sell it. I just try to take care of it. And I try to keep it in really good condition so that I can get top dollar for it. Not just so that I can get top dollar for it, because it's still worth top dollar. I appreciated the vehicle, and so therefore the value has stayed up. With my family, God gave me a family, and what a nice family, what a beautiful family. And if I appreciate them, they appreciate. And God's given me a wonderful marriage and a wonderful life and a fairly healthy body. And one day, I will do what they technically call retire. According to my age, I will be able to retire. Can I tell you something, though? I won't retire. That's just not good. If you're a Christian, you ought not just retire. And hopefully your goal isn't just retire. Now, as you get to a certain age, there's definitely things you don't do anymore. You don't do some of the things you used to do. But did you see the, I didn't tell Joseph to pick any songs tonight. But you know what Joseph started out with? We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work. That's what we're supposed to do. Because that's what occupying is. It's just occupying until he comes. And we're not supposed to just, we're not supposed to just, well, that's for somebody. Listen. The Hezekiah syndrome is in the Bible. King Hezekiah, here's what he said when he found out that God was not happy with what's with Israel, what he did, and what was going to happen in the future. And Hezekiah said, well, it's going to be good in my day, as long as it's okay in my day. And you know what? Hezekiah had a son who was the worst king Israel ever had. And I just want to say, if you're older, I want to say, please don't have that attitude. Well, as long as it's okay in my day. I mean, yeah, these young kids are going to have a mess, but as long as, listen, stop that. Folks, don't retire. I'm not saying you got to work as hard as you did when you were 40, but don't retire. By the way, it's probably good for you. I mean, look at Delmer and Janie. They're always doing something. Don't just stop. Keep 
doing, find something to do. Occupy your time. Occupy what you've been given. <clears throat> Use it wisely. And then the other song that we sang tonight, and all four of them were great songs. But someone picked, set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire so that I am not <clears throat> just lethargic, but motivated. Ariah, Jada, Harmony, what if a girl this week in your school was killed in a car wreck your age? Would you say to yourself, I told her about Jesus? Or would you have to say, I never talked to her about the Lord? Set my soul afire. Help me to be conversing and talking to people about the things of God. I'm preaching to myself. I'm not just talking to everybody else. We need to occupy our, ourselves with what God's wanting us to do. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business and you and I need to be about it as well. Our future service in heaven will relate to our former service on earth. What are you doing with what God's given you? What are you doing with both physical and spiritual blessings that God's given you? Let's close in prayer tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> And we thank you for opportunity <clears throat> to go through it.